Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. So I, we're going to be doing this series, and I'm looking forward to it uh, for uh, today and the next uh, two weeks after that. A series that you see, it's called It's Not Me, It's You Dealing with Difficult People. We all have some difficult people in our lives that we deal with uh, from time to time. So I want to dive into some scripture and be able to show us how we can deal with those people in a godly way. So for just a quick moment, I want you, and you can go ahead and, and close your eyes if that helps you imagine, but I want you to imagine for a moment some people in your life, the people that you just love to be around, people that you just naturally gravitate towards, and, and to be honest, you really, really wish that you could spend more and more time with them. Do you have that person in your mind? The next three weeks is not about them. It's not about them at all. It's actually about the other people. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of those difficult people in our lives. And I'm talking about those that, that really at times drain us. Like, like they're, they're just energy suckers. Like you could be having a great day. These are the kind of people I really believe that, that you could have just hit the lottery and all of a sudden, a two-minute conversation with them, and you feel like you're down in the dumps. Just somebody that sucks energy. They wear us out, and, and, and ones that we generally find it really, really hard to love. And, and I don't want, what I don't want is I don't want you to get all hyper-spiritual on me and, and act like, oh, pastor, I, I can't believe that you would even suggest for a moment that I don't like people. I'm a Christian pastor. I like everybody. And if you just had that thought, there's two things that I want to talk with you about right now. Number one, it's that kind of over-the-top religious attitude that probably makes people not like you. Just letting you know. The second thing is, it's just not true. There's nothing true about that statement. I know that you want to believe that about yourself. I know you wish that you could just confess and admit that about yourself to be true, but it's simply not true. And we are certainly called by God to love all people. That's in scripture. But you and I both know, and let's just admit it now, that there are some people in and around your life that you would gladly sign up for a root canal without Novocaine before you would go on a three-day camping trip with them. You know it's true. And you and I are no different. We're definitely not any better than Jesus. And if you remember in Scripture, there's a moment when Jesus goes to one of his closest disciples and he says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, how many times, you know y'all have looked at somebody and thought that. Whether you've said it or not, that's on you, but you know you've thought it. And that's the thing that you're going to learn, that 
Here at New Song, we, we preach the Bible, all right? And we preach the truth in love around here. So if this is your, whether it's your first time with us, or maybe you've been here since the beginning, I want to encourage you to do something today and definitely for the next three weeks as we discuss this. And that is just take off your church face and set it in the seat beside you because we're going to talk about some real life things. Is that okay with everybody? We're going to talk about some real life stuff that takes place and, and things like it's okay to say that we can love people that sometimes we don't like at all. And I've learned that, that we all have people like that in our lives. And, and in fact, I would bet that just as I was introducing this series to you, you had somebody in your mind as I was talking that is that difficult person in your life. I bet you did. And, in, and just thinking about that person is slowly draining some of your emotional energy right now. Difficult relationships come in many different flavors and varieties, new song. Sometimes they come in the form of in-laws, sometimes with coworkers, business partners, mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. Y'all were smart on that one. Good job. Sometimes it can be difficult sons or daughters, but here's the good news, is that the Bible is full of the wisdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful for that. You know, as a matter of fact, it says in 2 Peter 1.3, and they'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In other words, new song, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Coupled with our knowledge of God's incredible grace and mercy, we have everything we need to live a godly life, even while we're in this broken world. And that's incredibly encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you that there is literally not one situation that we will encounter in our lives that God's word does not offer wisdom and direction on how to navigate through it. And that includes difficult people. And today we're, we're going to see what scripture has to say about how to deal with the specific uh, difficult person is the needy person in our life. The life draining people that are sometimes in our life. But I have to start by laying a very important foundation before we start a series like this. It's an incredible Foundation, And it's, it's so important that all of us understand and acknowledge that at one time or another, we ourselves have been the ones that are hard to love. You need to know that. You and I both are sometimes a huge pain in the neck. It's the truth. We're not exempt from this. Sometimes we're the ones that are hard to love. And the reason that is so important for us to lay that foundation up front is because when we are trying to learn mercy towards other people, when we know that we ourselves have needed mercy, 
then we understand that we are the ones that first needed mercy. We first needed grace in our life. So then it's easier to give mercy and grace to others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, he said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father in heaven will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty bold statement. And, and, and that doesn't exclude difficult people. Be nice if it did, right? If it was, hey, hey, you know, the Lord has already forgiven you, but hey, you know, if you could just forgive those people you like being around, then God will be okay with that. No. It's saying, hey, God's already forgiven. You need to forgive others or else he's not even going to be able to forgive. That includes the difficult people in our life. I mean, think about those people maybe in your lives that that they know you're a pain in the neck sometimes. And yet, look, they overlook your faults and somehow they extend mercy to you. And then you too need to extend freely that same mercy to others. And I know that when I say the word needy, or when I explain needy people, our minds automatically seem to go to people who are suffering from financial difficulty, or maybe an economic disaster of some type that is causing a sudden financial crisis in their life. And indeed, that could be the case. But then there are also those that have, they've made constant bad choices. And it seems to leave them in this perpetual bind. And they seem to be in constant need of others to compensate for their poor decisions. But I want to speak today about something even broader than that. And that is that some of the most draining relationships in our lives are from people who are maybe not financially needy in the moment, but they're emotionally needy. Let me give you a few signs of an emotionally needy person. The first one is their lives are marked by constant and perpetual drama. It's never ending. A problem with another person, some issue with a coworker. Maybe it's an issue in their personal life, but no matter what, there's always an issue. It's constantly drama. The second thing is they have a tendency to misread every conversation. They seem to stay hurt. They stay injured emotionally all the time. And then there's the feature of an emotionally needy person that they are very easily offended and they seem to look for an opportunity to make a big deal out of every word or action that comes from someone else. It goes a step further. Sometimes it's not even just what you've said or what you did. Sometimes with those people, it's what you didn't say or what you didn't do. They're constantly living in an emotional instability. Like that's the state of their life. It's just emotionally in state, we've all experienced those people, I would imagine. It's those people that you talk to them at eight o'clock in the morning and the world is a beautiful place. It's going to be a great day. God is good. 
And then by lunchtime, the apocalypse is imminent. And then come about five o'clock, they are convinced that no one's going to see the morning light. Like those kind of emotionally draining people. And something about them also is that you never have to worry just how bad their day is. You never have to wonder how they're feeling. Do you know why? Because they have Facebook and Instagram. Constantly using it as some kind of a personal journal to just spew out all the issues and and the negativity. That's difficult. You're dealing with some people like that. It's difficult if they're in your family, they're close to you, they're church friends. It can be difficult. But the question that I want to answer today is how can we actually minister to this type of person in a Christ-like way? Because guess what? We're called to. Whether we like it or not, we're called to it. It might not always be fun, but we're called to it. And we need to ask, how can we truly help this person in their life? Because I know the tendency. The tendency, obviously, when you encounter or you're confronted with needy, emotionally draining people is to simply bypass them. You want to try to schedule your day away from them. You you want to do everything you can't just push them aside. I get it. That's the tendency. We try everything we can to avoid contact with these people so that we're not overly infected with negativity. And it's a negativity they so freely give to everyone that they encounter. But it's just simply not the call of God for us to push them aside. God desires something better for his children than to just avoid these people. God wants us to do better. And and we have to ask, is there a way that we can actually be a catalyst for healing to these people? Can we be a catalyst of hope for these people? And I believe that the answer is yes. I believe we can. And I want to start by defining the massive difference. This is so important to get here. The massive difference between relief and restoration. There's a big difference between relief and restoration. Let me show you the difference. Relief is immediate and temporary assistance. Something tragic happens, and there's an immediate need present. We rally together to alleviate the pain of the moment. And can I be honest with you? As a society, as a community, and as a church, I think we do this one really well. I think we do pretty well with it. Whether it's a believer or a non-believer. Floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, a sudden loss of a loved one. I really believe that all in all, as humans, we tend to respond pretty well to our fellow man when relief is what's needed. And that is a great thing, New Song. It really is. But restoration is different. You see, restoration is an ongoing process to help people grow and rediscover their God-given purpose and potential. That's restoration. And to remain completely transparent with you, we're not nearly as good at this one. 
Because this one, this restoration, it's neither immediate nor temporary. That's why we don't do good at it. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And it requires a ton of patience. Patience isn't a virtue for very many of us. It can be very difficult. It's where we go beyond giving somebody money. We go beyond giving someone even an afternoon of work. And we start actually spending consistent time helping them and developing them into a true disciple of Jesus. Jesus spent three years with those men. Did everything with them. Jesus didn't just see them once a week. What's up? How you doing, Peter? You doing good? You fine? Good. I'm fine too. We're good. See ya. No. He did life with them. Constantly. He ate with them. Slept around them. They went and did ministry together. He was in there with them. And it's only when we're going to be willing to spend quality time with people discipling them that we're going to be able to help them break those generational cycles in their life that continue to hold them back. Let me give you an example. When when someone's going through an isolated, tough moment, and, and they've just had a bad turn of events in their life, which happens to all of us from time to time, but maybe they're about to get their lights shut off. And and there's this immediate $200 to $300 that can solve an immediate problem. But what if that happens again and again and again and again? At that point, New Song, they don't need relief. What they need is restoration. Do you see the difference? More money will not solve the real problem that's going on in their life. They need someone to help them understand why this constant mismanagement of finances is destroying their life and has the potential to rob them of their future. That's restoration. That's not relief. And when we take the time to help people understand their present condition and then we encourage and mentor them out of it, that is when God has used us as agents of reconciliation. That's when we're, I really believe, when we're living out our God-given purpose in life. One of the things that I think the modern-day church has kind of, with good intentions, kind of missed a little bit, was Jesus's, that, that great commission where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say go and just make converts of the nations and then leave them alone and celebrate it and just be done with them. Hey, they got saved. No, he says, go and make disciples. Disciple making is hard. Disciple making means you're going to have to give up some things that maybe you like to do or that bring you comfort and pleasure and start thinking of somebody else first. What? But that's when we get to act as agents of reconciliation for God. That's when we answer the call of a Christ follower. And it's not temporary. and It's not easy. It's difficult. I want us to look at a scripture in Acts 3 that I think illustrates very well the difference between the relief versus restoration. 
And then we're going to use it to launch into the application of the message today. And in that application, I want to give you three prayers that I believe that we ought to pray to God as agents of reconciliation to the people in our life that are needy. Let's dive into Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was placed beside the temple gate, the one called beautiful, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The late man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I'll give you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his own feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. You see, New Song, the man that was laid at the gate beautiful on a daily basis did not need another handout. Peter's seen this. That's what he had been getting for years and years and years. But what he needed was a permanent hand up. There's a difference between a hand out and a hand up. This man needed a permanent hand up. You think about it. He's been laying at this temple gate for years and people had constantly been giving him money. He would beg for money. They'd walk in. Maybe they felt this, this twinge of passion or compassion and they would give him some money and he would experience relief in the moment. But God had other plans for him that day. That day, God wanted him to experience more than temporary relief. He knew he needed permanent restoration. He wanted Peter to bend down and give him some money, but Peter was like, nope, not today. No more of that in your life. I'm going to take you by the hand, and I'm going to help you stand up on your own feet so that you can get your life back, so that you can be all that God has called you to be. You can live out your purpose. You see, for years and years, this lame man that they would lay at the gate, he would see people, and those people around him began to become the source of his hope and his life. And Peter knew that the only one who could truly help this man was God. And it was time for him to quit depending on people and start to depend on God. How many people in here, or maybe somebody you know, it's time to stop depending on people and start depending on God? Because we have to realize we ourselves, we can't change anybody's life in our own power. We can't do it. No matter how big the check is we hand them, no matter how long we work on their house, we can't change Anybody, that is a prerogative that only God himself has the power and the capacity to do. We can love people. We can definitely do that. We can help people. We can even encourage people. 
But you and I both know that transformation is a work that God reserves for himself. Only God can change someone's heart from the inside out. And we have to do everything we can. New song, this is so important to get. We have to do everything we can not to get people dependent on us, but to connect people to God. And I promised y'all some application this morning, so I want to give you some application. I want to give you three prayers. And they're not prayers of a reliever. These are prayers of a genuine restorer. If you're sick and tired of giving somebody temporary immediate relief, and you want to start discipling people and making a difference, you need to be praying these prayers. And I'm going to tell you up front, I'm going to give you a disclaimer that, that some of these are going to sound a little tough. All right? And, and, and they're going to seem maybe even at times, oh my goodness, Pastor, that almost seems a little harsh. But I promise you, if you want to restore people to their God-given purpose in life, it's going to be tough at times. There's going to have to be some tough love involved. But that's what we're called to do as agents of reconciliation in their life. And here's the first prayer. And that is, God, help me give people what they truly need and not just what they immediately want. You see, the man in Acts 3 that we just read about, he wanted money, but what he needed was mobility. If he had mobility, he could go work for his own money. He could then also be a blessing to others. When trying to help the needy people in our lives, we have to realize, New Song, that they are going to tell you what they think they need from you. This is when you have to pray for wisdom. This is when you need the Holy Spirit to give you a little insight in order to give them what they need rather than what they want. You see, most people, they don't need more money. What they need is a job and some more discipline. Now, some people fall on a legitimate need and they need a legitimate financial miracle in their life, but there are many others out there that just need a pen and an application. I, I think, I love what Pastor Larry Stockstill, one of the mentors in Pastor Justin and I's life now, something he said, and he's real Southern, he's, he's from uh, Southern Louisiana. I just love his little slow drawl when he says things, but he says, yes. God is in control, brother, but he doesn't want you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. That's a good word. And I hope you know, I'm not trying to be harsh or unsympathetic, and I hope you know my heart better than that. But, but there are people that fall on temporary hard times. I was one of them. I mean, when I first moved back up here from, from Florida in the summer of 2008, I think at one point I had about 30 cents to my name, right? I had to get a personal loan by the grace of God from a small country bank just to get back on my feet financially. Grateful for my parents to take me in again. Had to move back in with my parents at 25. Like, that's not fun. 
I know, I, I know what it's like to sometimes be in hard times or to be in a valley, so I'm not being uh, unsympathetic to that. But there are some people out there that it's not just a bad stretch or just an odd circumstance. They are chronically and consistently financially and emotionally lame. And they don't need another handout. They need a Peter in their life that will say to them, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Let let me help you out. Let me show you how to keep a budget. Let, Let me help you fill out some applications. Let me drive you there so you can get yourself a job. They need somebody that's going to give them a hand up and not just a hand out. I want to give you the second prayer, and that's this. God, help me stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people from their consequences. You know, God ordained this universal system, and and it's beautiful and it's brilliant that no one on this planet is exempt from or escapes from. And we read it in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, and it says, God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. It's a perfect system. When we sow foolish seeds and bad things happen in our life, the goal of Galatians 6 is that we would learn a lesson, adjust ourselves so that we don't make that same mistake over and over and over again. But when we jump in as Superman to save somebody from the same mistake they keep making, we actually keep them lame. We're not helping them at all. We're actually hindering them. There's a lot of you in this room that probably already know this, but it's worth noting. Pain is the greatest teacher ever. It sticks with you. I'm sure almost all of us at some point as a kid, we got a little curious of the stove. And our parents would tell us, hey, get away from there. Don't touch it. It's hot. It's hot. It's going to hurt you. And yet there's that curiosity. Oh, but will it really? And what happens? You go up there, you touch it, you burn your hand. You remember. You don't ever touch that stove again. Because pain's an incredible teacher. Go ahead and put this slide up there for him, Tony. Real love doesn't always come to the rescue. Sometimes real love allows for the results so that meaningful change can take place in their lives. It's not easy. I'm going to let the band come up here and they're going to help me close out the last prayer and the message today. But I'm telling you, it's not easy to let people have to kind of wallow in their mess. And you know who's the worst culprit of it all? Parents. I mean, I've been guilty of it. I've been on the receiving end of some good parents that had good intentions. But how many times, maybe there's some parents in here that it's, uh, oh, my science fair project's due tomorrow and I haven't done anything on it. It's okay, honey. Let's do this together. As a matter of fact, mommy and daddy will do it for you. 
And we think that, oh, we're protecting our children. Oh, it's going to be good. They're still going to get their A or their B and everything's going to be fine. But the problem is, is that eventually it's not going to be a science fair project. Eventually they're going to have a real job in the real world. And when they don't turn in a project, they're going to get fired. And you can't go in there and talk to their boss and say, no, now let me talk to you about little Johnny. He might've forgot his project, but he means well. You're going to hire him back. They're either going to laugh at you or they're going to grab some people called security and they're going to walk you out of the building. It doesn't help when you come to the rescue all the time. Sometimes they're going to need to fail and experience that pain, experience that failure, so that just like in Galatians there, they learn the lesson, they adjust... And they don't make that mistake again. Then they don't grow up into extremely needy people. They grow up into restorers. The third prayer that I want to give you this morning is God, help me to remember that ultimately I'm in need also. And that you are always going to be the answer. You see, when you read the Bible, you find out that King David was this mighty and feared warrior. But there was this amazing moment of just real, honest confession when he prayed in Psalm 70, verse 5. When he said, but as for me, I'm poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You alone are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. You see, this prayer actually puts everything into proper perspective. And that is, we all need God's help. Every one of us. And we can't help people on our own. We can't change them. But we can connect people to the one who can When we realize that we're all just sinners saved by God's amazing grace through his son, Jesus Christ, and we are all in need of him, then it's easier for us to be able to show mercy and grace to others. So Pastor Josh, what do you tell people? You run into some needy people. What what, what do you tell them? I just tell them my story. I tell them my testimony. That, hey, I I was broken as well. And somebody loved me enough to help me grow in Christ and not hinder my God-given potential. And I'm the leader and the father and the husband I am today because of it. And I'm still a long, I have a long way to go. I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And if God will do that for me, He can do that for you. I can promise you that. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes and go ahead and stand to your feet? And I want to ask a question. Because I believe there might be somebody that's either watching from home or maybe they're in this building right now and they're saying, Pastor, man, the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me this morning. I need to make that first step. Like, I I need Christ in my life. So with everybody's 
head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask, if that's you, and you're saying, you know what, I've been doing things on my own for far too long, it's time for me to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up with nobody else looking around? That's awesome. I see those hands. So I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment, but I also want to ask, and you don't even have to raise your hand because I think it's most of you in this building, but is there anybody in this building that could use some help saying those three prayers on a daily basis and living them out? that need some help with some needy people in their life, that they don't want to push them aside. They really want to see them ministered to. They want to see them experience restoration. They're sick and tired of the relief and the enabling, and they want to see real restoration. I want to pray for you as well. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I give you everything. Lord, I'm sorry for trying to do this life on my own for far too long. And today, I'm giving you everything. I believe you were exactly who you said you are. You are the Son of God. I believe you went to the cross. You died for my sins. You were resurrected three days later. And now, you sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding for for me. So, Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power that I need to be able to to go out and live out that purpose in my life, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that chains would be broken, that generational cycles would be broken with you. And, Lord, I pray for everyone else in this congregation, Lord, that maybe they've got some needy people in their life and Their heart really is to restore them. They don't want to just continue giving them relief. They want restoration for them. Lord, I pray you would give them the knowledge and the wisdom directly from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you would be able to allow them to be agents of reconciliation for those people on your behalf. And Lord, that those people would come around and they would be fully restored and that they would start to give life to others as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.